2: Welcome to
3: another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today for the Monday edition of The Ride Home. Horrible news out of Paris, France, where, if you've not heard, Notre Dame Cathedral is burning. And uh, last reports, it looks like it may be a complete and total loss built in 1163. Mm-hmm. started construction in 1163 finished in 1345. The pictures are unbearable, they but are. Uh, material does not last. Of course, material is born to die, and in many ways, when you think about Christianity, the state of Christianity in Europe right now, it sort of mirrors what the, the state of Notre, uh, Notre Dame is. Here to talk to us uh, about Notre Dame, Kath, is uh, Edwin Woodruff Tate. Edwin is a freelance writer, a consulting editor for Christian History Magazine. Edwin, welcome to the show.
4: Glad to be on. Thank you. So your response, um, we've been watching the video today. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, it's a a helpless feeling to look at that on video and think of the tens of millions of people who have been so touched by that building. Um, Yes. How do you feel?
5: Well, I'm stunned like everybody else. I'm horrified. Um, This is, you know, a central cultural symbol of France, historically closely associated with the French monarchy. And then after the French Revolution, its future was in doubt. There was talk about demolishing it. And uh, Victor Hugo wrote this famous novel, which he made it kind of a symbol of, you know, French culture and Gothic architecture and the sort of human longing for beauty and transcendence in the middle of ugliness. And it's, you know, French people, of all, I think, persuasions are very attached to it as as a cultural historical symbol.
3: Uh, and and so, it's true, whether yeah. you're, you're a believer or not, you m- would always pay homage if you were fortunate enough to be in Paris. Yes,
5: right, but I mean, the Eiffel Tower is the most you know recognizable symbol to I think many people. But you know, Notre Dame really has a much it has, has much longer history, and really in some ways much more central to the historical identity of of Paris. It's, it's on that island where Notre Dame is that the the kingdom of France began. that's why there was this close association with the monarchy, historically.
3: I mean, we think, you know, we have a few old buildings here in America, Edwin, but 1163 when construction began, I mean, um, in many ways, it's the bedrock of civilization in the Western world.
4: Right. Yeah. Now, Edwin, had you visited Notre Dame yourself? I haven't, actually. I was in Paris only once
5: when I was a small child. We We drove through pretty fast. I was in... And in some other parts of France later, mm-hmm. um, but actually have never have never visited. I only know it from you know books and yes. movies and so on. Yes. Yeah. Now,
4: now Edwin, from our perspective as American Christians, you know it's hard for us to get in our heads what it would be like to have a country where a monarchy and a church were so closely linked. So, can you right. explain that a little more for the, for us with American ears about what this has meant in the history of France?
5: Well, I think one detail that's really interesting that I came across is that in the Middle Ages, there was, when the cathedral was built, around, across the front of it, there was carved this series of statues of Old Testament kings, you know, the, the Davidic kings, mm-hmm. because m- medieval Christian monarchs saw themselves really as the heirs of the Davidic monarchy. It mm-hmm. was a very common attitude in the Middle Ages. And in the French Revolution, When, uh, you know, people were writing against the monarchy, they smashed these statues, and apparently many people actually thought they were statues of French kings. That's how close the identification was. Hmm. And these are aspects of, you know, often I think American Protestants are like, oh, it's obviously unbiblical to have a state church, but to medieval Christians, they look at the Old Testament, you know, you've got kings and priests working together and the temple and the Davidic monarchy, and this just seemed natural to them. Right.
3: what 's fascinating is that when you see the stone ed- edifice outside, of course the, the large population they themselves were illiterate, so in many ways the the sculptures and the statues and all that sort of uh, helped to right. materialize the gospel right
5: Yes, exactly, and a lot of that then was destroyed in the revolution. Uh, and the building was actually used as an, apparently an ammunition dump or a gunpowder factory, something like that, for right. some years. I mean, and a, then Napoleon handed it back to the church,
3: and, and so it's lasted over seven hundred years, and it's made it through multiple yeah. wars, only to go up in flames at random. Seemingly, I don't know that you know we'll right. find out the true cause of this. It, it's a right. symbol not just of beauty, but of resilience, yes. and, and it feels as yes. though you're watching resilience yes. burn down. I mean, I
4: think of how yeah. how it was one of the symbols at the conclusion of World War II that that gave the Western world hope.
6: Yeah, right.
5: I mean, part of something that you, know, you can't help but think about is that there have been attacks on French Catholic churches recently. Now, you know, as far as I can tell, they seem to think this is an accident, you know, the, relating to the renovations. But there, there were actually, in March, there was a, a rash of attacks, including the partial burning of another very famous medieval French church, St. So you know, I don't know if there's any connection. It may just be an accident. But apparently, there has been a lot of hostility to the church in France. Partly, I think having to do with the abuse scandals and you know, cultural controversy of the Catholic Church. Maybe also there, there have been anti-Semitic attacks, and the Catholic Church has, has condemned those attacks. And some people thought the attacks in March were actually a, a response and extension of the anti-Semitic attacks. But you know, there. There's apparently there's a lot of hostility to the church in France. Yes. Even as many many French people are proud of the so, cultural heritage, so it's mixed identity in France.
4: So Edwin, you're saying that it's it's mixed feelings. So there might be resentment yeah. towards towards some of the things the church has done, but there's still such a a, a yes. spot of affection in the hearts of uh, of the right. French and all of us for for a building that right. has withstood so much yeah. and is so lovely. Yeah.
5: You know, somebody said that well, well ago that the typical French person is would as a Catholic and an atheist and believes in reincarnation.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> you
4: have
3: got all your bases it, covered.
5: It, 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 it's a kind of divided identity that I think Americans really have some trouble understanding sometimes.
4: Yes. Uh, well, you've helped us today, Edwin. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome.
3: Edwin Woodruff Tate, a freelance writer, consulting editor for Christian History Magazine. It is astonishing. It is And it is awful at the same time, just a truly a heartbreaking day. I mean, you know, this date in history, uh, to put things in perspective, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated on this date in history. The Titanic has sunk on this date in history. And Notre Dame Cathedral apparently has burnt down to its embers. So this is a day, astonishing and awful, heartbreaking. We'll take a break, come back. Well, we've got more ahead. Uh, we're going to talk about yesterday from the world of sports uh, Tiger Woods and his incredible redemption. Stick around for that, please.
4: So, what's the church? Obamacare, Trump care, Affordable Care, Cobra, there are so many choices, but they all seem to bring one word to mind: expensive. There are lots of changes happening in health care today, and fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every health care provider in the country. They help to determine which plan is right for you, help you to choose the best plan for your needs, and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. And because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So give Todd at Marley Financial a call, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 or on the web, marleyfg.com.
7: WORD.
1: Men and women are waiting until later in life to get married. And many of them aren't handling their single years very well. Here's Marshall Siegel. I think there's an increasing number of young people that are disillusioned with marriage. And I think divorce is the biggest factor here. That the only picture of marriage that they've known up close is really hard. We'll talk about being not yet married next time on Family Life Today. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM W O R D. This
0: Easter. Breakthrough starring Chrissy Metz. Boys! Get off the ice! she has been underwater 15 minutes. The odds were against her son. He's had no pulse for over an hour. Until his mother's prayer.
1: Please send her Holy Spirit to save my son.
0: Proved the impossible.
1: We've got a pulse!
0: On April 17th. I don't believe John will survive tonight. Discover the incredible true story.
7: You don't know my son.
0: Of an extraordinary miracle.
7: He is a fighter.
0: Breakthrough, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. For tickets, go to breakthroughmovie.com.
7: Here is your new Pella Lifestyle window when open. Here it is, closed. The new Pella Lifestyle series is the number one performing wood window and patio door for sound control, energy efficiency, and value. Keep the outside noise outside. More peace and better rest for your family. Exceptional noise control for a quieter home. For a limited time, get 50% off installation and 12 months no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA, Pellapittsburgh.com.
8: It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com.
1: Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the WordFM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the
0: club. Thank you.
3: Ten years ago, Tiger Woods was the talk of the sports world. He was on his way to a crushing Jack Nichols' record, 18 major championships, but controversy, injury, inconsistent play, and, well, just uh, being a goofball in many ways derailed the train in a pretty major way. For many years, Tiger Woods then became the definition of toxic masculinity, the womanizing, the wild partying. He was all that and more. But as you watched, if you did watch the Masters unfold from Thursday through Sunday, there were many, many millions of people around the world who were rooting for the redemption of Tiger Woods, and it has come to pass. Here to talk to us about that is Ian Gunn. Ian is an attorney and a sports writer and has joined us on the air before. Ian, thanks for being with us again today.
9: Thanks for having me, y'all.
4: Ian, I spent a lot of my free time in my life watching golf. Uh, My dad was a big golf fan. My uncle was a big golf fan. And so as I was a little kid, I mean, I I have never missed the Masters in my entire life. Um, But there have been a lot of times that I rooted against Tiger. You know, when he was at the apex of his um, greatness, I would say, he was unlikable, about ninety percent of the time, um, and he was cursory. He was um, antagonistic. He was arrogant. And when his fall came ten, eleven years ago, I, you know, I was just kind of thought, well, this is this is just what happens when your arrogance gets the best of you. Yesterday, Ian, I'm telling you, I couldn't have been rooting for him more if I was related to the guy. I agree. I mean, talk. How did you feel watching the spectacle yesterday?
9: Yeah, I think. You know, the whole golf world kind of felt the same way. You know, whether you were a Tiger fan who, you know, never really stopped liking him and rooting for him, or somebody who was disenchanted by the scandals and and some of his attitude, or, or somebody who never liked him in the first place. Um, I think everybody. It, it was a a combination of factors. You know, one, you have the you don't know what you've got till it's gone factor, which is. You know, he, the way he performed when he was in his prime, we still, 10 years later, have never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of fans miss that. But also there's, there's this sense that I think a lot of people have, which is that Tiger is a very different person. Um, he's, you know, much more chastened from his scandals and his injuries. He's much more humble. Uh, he's a better friend. You, you saw that with many of the other pro golfers standing behind the green to kind of celebrate with him and congratulate him, which is something that, you know, never really happened with any of his previous victories, as many as he's had. Um, There's a sense that he's a better family man. You know, he talked openly about how important his kids were, you know, obviously I think everybody could see the emotion uh, related to, you know, his family celebration afterwards, which is not something that we really felt like from the old tiger. I think, um, you know, one of the, the, good articles that i read about it you know said that his previous major championships will be looked at in you know in the future with awe but this one we will look at with affection because we really feel like we appreciate tiger as a person better now um, because he is a better person right. maybe
3: I mean, there's something about Tiger Woods, the boy. And, you know, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. You look at Tiger Woods, the boy, and Michael Jackson, the boy. They were both driven hard by fathers who saw themselves on the stage. And that childhood, whatever that was like, that must have been a crushing, brutal childhood to have those expectations bear down upon you. So all those sins, all that arrogance, all that sexual proclivity, all, all that money spent in different directions directions, all that. In many ways, there's a, a, an, an arc of forgiveness for Tiger because of what was expected of him.
9: Agreed, 100%. I mean, you look at when Tiger comes onto the national scene, you know, when he's two years old, his dad brings him on. I think it's... Mike um, Douglas. Yeah, Mike the Mike Douglas show, and he's hitting a putt. And from the very beginning, um, you know, he is Saying, you know, my mission is to be Jack Nicholas. I want to be one of the greatest golfers, if not the greatest golfer. And he's driven by these, you know, world crushing, you know, dreams that just have to press down on you and put this pressure and stress on you. And I think that going through his, especially his injuries, um, you know, lately over the last few years, he's had about four back surgeries. He's had operations on his knee. And feeling, even as recently as two years ago, that he might not ever play the game of golf again, um, I think has made him very appreciative over the past year of just being able to get out and enjoy the game that he grew up with. And you can sense it as a fan, as someone watching golf, that he's really enjoying the game that we all love to play, that we all love to watch uh, in the way that we do when we enjoy it. And it's not this thing that he feels, I've got this pressure to catch Jack Nicklaus, I've got this pressure to win. He really feels more like I am going to enjoy the game that I thought I might never play again.
4: As I was going hole by hole and you know watching this unfold yesterday I was thinking about when Phil Mickelson won his first Masters and you know it was just the the weight of it was agonizing you know i mean he just he'd been so close so many times and uh when he finally won it was i mean that remember that crazy jump at 18 i mean he looked ridiculous it was unbridled joy it was absolutely awesome and and i remember the interview with him afterwards when he got his green jacket saying you know all however long this took that was part of the reason why this is so special and I was wondering about Tiger. You know, he didn't say this yesterday, but I wonder if you know the last eleven years of embarrassment and pain, and you know, the devolving of his personal life. All you know on the front of every you know website. I wonder if that has made yesterday even better.
9: I, I think so. And if you if you go back to the fall um when he won the tour championship um that was his first yeah. win mm-hmm. in in several years and it was kind of the culminate what we you know obviously not the masters is the icing on the cake but th- that was kind of the culmination of his comeback in the sense that it was his first time winning since he came back from injury he said in his press conference after that that he that the you know the magic the um ability to win that was so much more special to him because of what he had to go through. Right. And he, he talked about how, you know, some of the guys who had been, you know, had visited him uh, while he was hurt, while he couldn't play, and his certainly his family who had seen him hollering around, you know, he said they knew that this was so much more special to him because of what he had been through. And I think, obviously, it goes even more so for the Masters. Um, but you know, he, he talked about that a little bit more for when he won the Tour Championship. But I would say for sure that, you know, this one means more him, they he was asked several times in the press conference about um you know what this where would he rank this and he said certainly you know he he didn't actually provide a real ranking but you know he said it's got to be up there with the best of them because of all the you know trials and tribulations he had to go through before he could get here
3: no doubt i mean i think if if tiger did not win another tournament again it would be enough because that that journey to the back to the top of the mountain was incredible. Yeah, but for him, it's
4: never going to be No, enough. of
3: course not. Now, you know, I think for, for a lot of guys, Ian, and maybe this is you know, resonated with you as well, but, you know, CBS played that clip where Tiger, two decades plus ago, was embracing his father, Earl, and then as soon as Tiger won that tournament and made his way out of the crowd, he embraced his son. And there you saw Tiger the father and that hug and those tears, the exultation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a sense of relief and gratitude all bundled up, and I think you know any any guy who's hugged his dad and then hugged his sons, you see yourself in those same bookends.
9: yeah, absolutely. and and it was just sure special too to see you know it wasn't to see Tiger's son run up to him <laughs> to see that the kids recognize how much this means to them. and you know it's a totally different perspective for them because they have, as as he said before, they have never seen him you know win uh, until this past until last year with the Tour championship and until this year with the masters. They have never seen him win a golf tournament uh, that they can remember. They have never seen him win a major. And they don't, they don't understand him as this previous champion. And he's just dad who's got the injuries and tries to play golf but can't. And and now they're starting to experience this. I I think, you know, seeing his son run up and jump into his arms, that was really a cool, special moment. And, um, you know, he, he definitely, they're definitely starting to understand a little bit more about, you know, what this means to, to their dad. And that was really, CBS did a great job of, of you know, mashing that up with hmm. the shot of Tiger with Earl Woods um, from 1997 that you know, is one of the most iconic shots in golf history.
4: Ian Gunn is with us, attorney and sports writer. We're talking about Tiger Woods winning the Masters yesterday. Uh, Ian, you know, as you alluded to early in our conversation, the uh, perhaps the most amazing part of it for me was seeing right before he went into Butler Cabin the whole crew of like seven or eight pros that were waiting Standard. for him, and I thought, wow, that would never have happened fifteen years ago.
9: Yeah, and, and, you know what was really special about that too was it was a combination of all kinds of different things. So, you know, after the tour championship win last year, a few of his buddies, friends of his on tour stayed and congratulated him and um, on the win and everything. But this was just, it wasn't just people who he was close with and friends with, you know, um, Xander Schauffele, who's a young guy, second year on tour, mm-hmm. obviously knows Tiger, but is not really a close friend of his, you know, stayed to celebrate. Um, Bernhard Langer um, was their former Masters champion and he, he said uh, that they were in, that he and Bubba Watson and a few, Zach Johnson, a few other previous Masters champions were in the the uh, past champions locker room as the round was finishing up, watching the, watching the final round and watching Tiger win and Bernard Longer said, you know, this is a really special moment for Tiger, for the Masters, for golf, uh, we should do something and so they decided that they would all don their green jackets their mm-hmm. jackets, and they would go out there with them. And so we saw some of them out there yeah. with the other players. And so it was just a combination of, and, and Bernhard Langer is not a particularly special friend of Tiger's, you know, and, you know they're friendly, but they're not close buds or anything like that. And he's a, certainly you know, two generations older than Tiger in, in the golfing world, you know, but uh, just to see the respect from the past champions from, the guys that he's friends with, from the young guys like Xander Shossley, and all of them. Or Ricky Fowler, who,
4: look how close Ricky Fowler's come to winning a major and never has. Absolutely. But he was there, too.
9: Absolutely. And, and just to see all these groups of players pay tribute to a guy who, you know, 10 years ago, nobody would have been there. And now they're all there.
3: Excellent. Uh, Tiger Woods, uh, famously a Buddhist but uh if anybody uh, could understand uh, resurrection after yesterday, you'd think uh, that'd be the first word out of his uh, out of his mouth
9: yeah I, I think so you know um and certainly as we have uh the Easter season coming up um you know with the idea of redemption and, and the fall, but then the resurrection you know certainly this is this how kind of it plays into that storyline and masters is the masters is often held on Easter weekend um didn't work out this year in terms of the timing but um I mean, certainly was a special moment for uh, for that. Um, and I think that Tiger probably appreciates how things come full circle as well. Uh, certainly there's a bit of you catastrophe. Yeah, uh, no in, kidding. In, um, you know, Molinari's tee shots and some of the tee shots that went in the water that, you know, Tiger said, you know, I wouldn't have been in the tournament if it weren't for yep. uh, some of the mistakes the other players made. Something to be said for experience. Yeah. yeah, and Brooks Koepka even said in his post-game interview, he said, you know, yeah, I hated to kind of make the mistakes, but it's, it's a, a little silver lining that, you know, Tiger got to have this moment because of it. Yeah.
4: Ian Gunsman with us. Ian is an attorney and a sports writer. Ian, thanks for sharing your thoughts about yesterday.
9: Thanks for having me on, John and Kathy. Always happy to talk to you all.
3: Our great pleasure.
4: Historic day.
3: Really terrific day. Made up for the pain of today in some way. When
0: wet
8: weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J and D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Vellante and the team at J and D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over seventy-two years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. j Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. It's where the Sahara
3: meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create MyPillow's Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow dream sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from MyPillow.
2: Hi. your jewelers for life five years ago
1: a national barna poll discovered that 77 percent of evangelicals believe we're now living in the end times as described by the bible but how can we really know Don't miss the most comprehensive, in-depth, prophetic end-time seminar anywhere. You'll be amazed at how much information God's Word provides. This informative end-time seminar begins Saturday, May 11th in the morning at Christ Church at Grove Farm. To learn more, go to
3: endtimeseminar.com. That's endtimeseminar.com. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom knowledge and a compassion for others. At the Airport Area's only K through 12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Tonight will be a cold one for April. We'll
10: have skies turning out clear, and the low will be 36. Then tomorrow looks to turn noticeably milder, but you'll see increasing clouds. The high will be 64. Tomorrow night we'll have mainly cloudy skies and a shower in spots. The low will be 53. Wednesday will be mostly cloudy with a mainly early shower. Milder still, though, with the high 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait.
3: Hey, thanks for being with us on this uh, odd day, just a a really weird day. Uh, Terry Timmons with us. Terry's a regular guest on our show. Terry joins us from Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Now, wait,
4: why are you saying it's a weird day? Well,
3: it's a weird day in that, you know, i got to be honest. I mean, I've been to Notre Dame. Terry, you said you've been to Notre Dame. And I always looked at it as it's a beautiful edifice, but essentially it's this massive tourist trap as well. But you could easily get lost in there. And it, it, certainly it's um, one of the pillars of the Catholic faith in the Western world, although Catholicism in Europe is pretty much disintegrated. Christianity in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in Europe is pretty much gone.
2: Well, I, I, I was there last summer, and I actually went to Mass on Sunday morning, and the place was packed. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It was uh, really? thousands of people worshiping. In that in that beautiful place of worship, and I have to say, I, I traveled for four months and spent two months in Europe. It was one of the most profound uh, worship experiences that I that I had. Is, really? Yes. The, the entire service was in French. I didn't understand a single word. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my eighth grade French did not help me out at all. <laughs> worshiping, no it's sad doubt.
4: that it deserted you right You're at right. that moment.
2: But it, it was a beautiful liturgy. Uh, much of it was sung. Uh, the, the priest preached from the scriptures in French. Uh, communion was served. Uh, but one of the, the amazing things that, that I experienced that I will never forget, standing in the courtyard outside of uh, this beautiful place of worship, and the priest after the service came out and was praying for people in the courtyard, mm-hmm. like literally really? laying hands on people. And it was one of the most powerful pastoral acts I've ever seen in any place of worship. It was it was remarkable how pastoral this guy was. He just got done, you know, leading this liturgy for thousands of people, and he was just there in the courtyard spending time with people. It was it was a remarkable wow. experience. Oh, incredible! Yeah, and in, and being in different parts of the city and hearing the bells from the church ring and uh, this this call to worship, this call to prayer. Uh, so. Uh, I didn't see many active churches in Paris, but this this church had an active worshiping community hmm. where uh, where God was encountered. And I personally encountered God there. Oh, fabulous. So
4: how does that – I mean, tell, oh, tell it, us it, your it's, feelings now.
2: It, it, it's very sad for me just to watch this uh, – again, this beautiful, historic, resilient structure uh, – probably i mean they're talking about it not surviving and just the the generations of god's people that have gathered in this place and and what it will mean in a post-Christian you know, uh, country and city to have uh, – if this monument so this uh, is gone, I, I, I don't know how it will impact. I mean Christianity has, has a small place in that city as far as I understand, but, but to have this, uh, this cathedral gone I think will be devastating.
4: I heard right before we went to air the, the uh, president of France talking about how they would have to rebuild and they would have to rebuild right away. And he said, well, of course, we have no idea how we would do that or what that would look like. And I was just struck by what rebuilding a church in this culture –
3: In that environment. In
4: in that environment would look like versus when (laughs) that building was started.
2: And and I actually heard just driving over here that they were talking – in. Billions of dollars. i sure. Billions. Uh, so where would that money come from? Right. Uh, I have no idea architecturally. And, well, you yeah. would
3: hope that it would spark a revival, right? And that, you know, the building, the, the the brick and mortar of the building would infect men's hearts, their souls. From,
2: from the ashes, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many stories. Again, stories of redemption, uh, of, of things that have been devastated and yet, yet – uh, In God's economy, nothing is wasted. And how many stories of redemption uh, are are there out there in the scriptures and in real life where things seem to be almost completely gone, and yet Mm -hmm. there's still a spark of life that God then pours his spirit out in? who God only so. knows. And I mean it is it is, as you said, John, an odd day as this is the the week we call holy week and this is this this massive monument, this symbol of the Christian faith is on fire. Be yes. right before our eyes. Yeah, for the world to see. Right,
3: right which is, you know, heartbreaking
2: but also who knows what will come of it. Right. I mean, it, it, it's getting the world's attention. Definitely. In this significant When's week? the
3: last time we all watched the church burn mm. from this this perch? Never. 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 So we'll Never. see something different come from this. Oh.
4: Isn't it a statement on life that a build I mean, this is just a this is just a metaphor in a lot of ways that that building would survive? Everything, it survived. World
3: War One, mm. World War World II. World
4: War II. And, and the fact that it stood amidst the French Revolution, it could have been, it, you know, there were how many conversations went on that they were going to just raise the whole thing right. then, right? I mean, they raised whole parts of it, right? Um, our first guest, in fact, talked about taking down the statues of the Old Testament prophets outside of it, which I never knew about. Uh, but it survived all of that. And to think that it would be flattened by a construction accident, Perhaps. you think, and of course we're not sure, and who knows if they'll ever be able to determine exactly what happened? But doesn't that make you think this life is unpredictable?
2: Right, and, and we live in this modern world where I mean, even even when I first heard about this hours ago, I thought oh, they'll, we'll they'll take it. care right. of it, right? It, it's right. it's a small fire, and and everything will be fine. I mean, this doesn't happen. No, it doesn't uh, happen. And and it's a shame because of. I I do think one of the reminders is just this that we need beautiful things in our world, in in our life. It just points us to the transcendent, majestic, glorious God. And and when we lose something of beauty, our lives are diminished. Yes,
3: and all of us mourn in accordance. We need to take a a quick break. Terry Timmons with us from Christ Community Church of the South Hills. You're listening to Word FM and WPIT. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hello, I'm Jack Graham, and I want to personally invite you to join me
8: each weekday for Powerpoint, where we'll get down to the basics of what really matters, life in Jesus Christ. Each day, I'll give you practical, biblical steps for tapping into God's power for successful Christian living. So make plans to join me for a
1: time of spiritual encouragement that will leave you feeling more alive in Christ. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 W O R D.
7: Flo here with a word that's just weird. Terry cloth. Who exactly is Terry? And why does he get his own fabric? Did he journey below SPF 50? Fight off some weeds and his daffodils? Hmm. How about a word for everyone? Flotection. Yeah, I just made it up. But I'm not making up how great it feels when me and Progressive protect your new home. Ever think of that, Terry? No. Terry only thinks of himself.
0: Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This Easter, Breakthrough, starring Chrissy Metz. Boys, get off the ice! She's been underwater for 15 minutes. The odds were against her son.
1: He's had no pulse for
0: over an hour. Until his mother's prayer.
1: Please, Sandra, please, spirit, to save my son.
0: Proved the impossible.
7: We've got a pulse.
0: On April 17th. I don't believe John will survive tonight. Discover the incredible true story.
7: You don't know my son.
0: Of an extraordinary miracle.
7: He is a fighter.
0: Breakthrough rated PG. Parental guidance suggested for tickets go
1: to breakthroughmovie.com. This Easter, celebrate the life of Christ as you break bread with family and friends and leave the cooking to Bistro to Go on the North Side with simply delicious gourmet creations sure to make your event memorable like brown sugar baked ham with pineapple sauce, maple glazed turkey with gravy, bistro pecan sweet potato casserole, whole chocolate mousse cake, and so much more for intimate gatherings to grand events, all reasonably priced for pickup and ready to serve. Order now at bistroandcompany.com.
2: It's easier to change the world than you think.
6: Sponsor a child in extreme poverty with Compassion International, and you will change the world for that child. Just text the word CHILD to 83393 to sponsor right now.
8: Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the one Place app. Download and listen offline, stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store.
4: Love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said, but it's going to take a lot of prayer to make it happen. Join us Thursday, May 2nd, as we celebrate the National Day of Prayer, 6.15 p.m. at Christ Church at Grove Farm. An hour of music, prayer, and exhortation as we call on God to move in our hearts and heal our land. Free and open to the public, come join us for this special one-hour kickoff celebration to mark the official start of the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference. Details at wordfm.com slash prayer.
3: Terry Timmons with us from Christ Community Church of the South Hills. We're talking about the burning of uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral, and of course, yesterday was Palm Sunday, and here we are entering into Passion Week or Holy Week. And uh, Terry, we, we thanks for thanks for being with us here today. I mean, c- clearly, in the Christian Church all around the world, yesterday, all of us were saying Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh,
2: it, Palm Sunday is one of the most festive Sundays out of the entire year. I mean. Uh, probably other than Easter, it's the most festive, joyous, raucous yes. uh, worship mm-hmm. gathering. Great celebration. I mean, you know, how many churches, I, I saw a number of churches yesterday, they had live animals. They had the donkey. There was a church in my community that really? brought a donkey, and I, I did a donkey one time. You really don't want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> <lot of> <laughs> most churches only do a donkey once, and then they learn from that. But it is, it is, it's a grand celebration. Uh, of what we call Jesus's triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. Mm. That's typically what we call it in, yeah. in in the life cycle of the church, which actually is it's kind of an odd name for it. As if you think about really what's going on on that first Palm Sunday, uh, it's it's actually I, I, I saw an article uh, posted last week by Jonathan Merritt, oh, and, and he wasn't that a good piece, and, and and I think it was Jonathan that said actually it was a death march right the first step towards it it's it's the beginning right. jesus knows exactly what's going to happen to him when he declares who he really is publicly i mean there's you know jesus has taken his time over the 3 years of teaching and casting out demons and healing and kind of slowly revealing the reality of who he is and what God is doing in him with him and through him but now there's no turning back and every action of palm sunday is a specific action to declare i'm the one that you have been waiting for and i'm the kind of messiah that you never dreamed God would actually send and right. it's the beginning of you know beginning of the end for jesus in his earthly life.
4: And sadly, in a lot of ways, it's not the kind of savior you wanted. Oh, no, and it's certainly not the one you thought you were going to get. It's not
2: the one you, I mean, the expectations were so high. And again, I mean, palm branches, uh, were symbols of liberation. They were Save a, us now. a clear, uh you know revolutionary symbol for the the Hebrew people who had lived under oppression for so much of their their life cycle as a people they they're one of the most oppressed persecuted people in the in the history of the, of humanity and so uh, when people are pulling these palm branches out they're not just fun colorful things to wave they're saying exactly what you said Uh, Kathy, save us now, deliver us from the oppression of Rome. Get rid of these pagan rulers who have taken us captive and are holding us captive. Do something and do it now. And they they believed with their whole heart that Jesus was the one. He was a political messiah who was going to restore God's rule but they didn't. I don't think they looked at it from a spiritual perspective. It was an earthly, mm-hmm. tangible deliverance, and uh, it didn't work out quite, quite the way they expected it to. No,
3: and, and of course Jesus does not run. He does not hide he declares himself the savior and take uh, takes what's about to happen.
2: Oh yeah, he he I mean beginning it on that Palm Sunday he says I am the king. I'm coming in fulfillment of all the prophecies. I'm coming riding on the back of a donkey. Clear fulfillment of Zechariah 9. I'm coming to bring peace, but it's it's So different than you ever imagined. Um, There was a a historian talking about uh, Caesar, and they said, Caesar brought peace whenever it aligned with the interests of the empire, and it added to the myth of their glory. Right, I mean, so the, you know, there's all this talk about the peace of Rome, right? And and the Caesars would would bring certain aspects of peace to the kingdom, but only when it advanced their own e- interests as an empire, and it actually elevated their own status as a ruler, like and even a god. Like many of the Roman citizens worshipped Caesar as god. Jesus comes into that space and he confronts. He said, "I am bringing peace." But it's very, very different. It's peace with God. It's peace with humanity. It's it's God's kingdom breaking here, breaking into earth, but it's... It's going to take a long time for it to be actu- uh, actualized to see God's kingdom come to earth in its fullness and this is the beginning of the process and mm-hmm. and how quickly, you know, the cries went from hosanna to crucify. I mean, how fickle the crowd was. Yes. And my suspicion is the three of us probably would have mm-hmm. just Said, sure. joined right in with it. Right. I do think, you know, we we've been talking about uh Notre, notre dame and, and, and the burning of this beautiful cathedral and how it uh it grips our hearts there is an episode in the gospel where where jesus weeps mm. over jerusalem he 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 literally sheds tears over this city because he knows that they are going to reject him he, he, he talks about, I have They're longed like to gather. Well, he, he said, I have longed to mm-hmm. gather you up like a mother hen would gather up her chicks. And there's actually a church on the Mount of Olives called uh, Dominus Flevit. Our Lord Wept. Mm. And um, I was there many, many years ago. On, on the top of the building, there are these cups. And their tear cups. In the Hebrew tradition, they would like we have scrapbooks that remind us of significant uh, events. Yes. In the Hebrew tradition, they would have little tear cups, and when something joyous or uh, grievous occurred, they would literally collect the tears wow. that were wept in those moments, and, and they would be reminders. And so, there's this church on the Mount of Olives that that commemorates. Jesus's heartbreak. I'm I'm here. I'm your king. I'm I'm everything that God wants for you and yet you would not
4: yeah, have. Yeah, and me. I've often thought about how many sadnesses the people that he was looking at had suffered. But he wasn't he wasn't weeping over their poverty. He wasn't weeping over their disease or their Earth. or their oppression by the government. The thing that brought him to tears was the fact that they needed a savior yeah. and they were going to miss it.
2: Yeah. I'm here for you. I'm, salvation is right in front of you, and yet you cannot see so it. Close. You won't open your hearts to, to what God wants to do in me, with me, and through me.
4: Yeah, And then I think maybe we often, not that we cry over the wrong things, but maybe we don't cry enough over the fact that the people we love who, you know, suffer or have economic problems or relational problems, whatever it is, all those things are so sad, but the real tragedy of it is when we have a savior. And we just can't say yes.
2: Yeah. Who who wants to be with us yeah. and wants us to be with him so much that his heart would break over that. You're right. I mean all of those things are real. Poverty, are. oppression, demon possession all of it's those all, things.
4: It's all tragic. But
2: Jesus like, hey, I just I want to scoop You up. I want to bring you unto myself, and you would not allow me to do Mm -hmm. that. You've missed the intimacy that God wants to have with each, Mm -hmm. each of you, and all of you.
3: So, Terry, uh, Palm Sunday yesterday. Here we are now. You know, for a lot of Christians, we'll, we'll look towards Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, of course. But there is this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this Gulf of time. What does that look like for you? How are you as you work through this? passion week or holy week do you absorb all this uh, as far as your prayer life and your worship is that anything different these few days as opposed to later on
2: yeah, but that, that's a fascinating question because there there are these big events that come thursday friday mm-hmm. uh, and leading in, into uh into into sunday and even in the gospels there's lots of activity yeah. i mean when you look at the Gospels, they're, uh, Palm Sunday event, and then there's still many, many chapters. So Jesus is active, even in those final days of his life. He, he's, he's busy teaching, or busy spending time in, in John's Gospel, the farewell discourses that we that we find in, in John 14, 15, and 16. Um, one of the things that that i'm doing and actually our congregation is doing we're we're working through a 40-day devotional called the repentance project which is a as an exploration into the the history our own history as a nation regarding racism and slavery and so that that's been a constant you know discipline for me over the 40 days of lent and i'm going to continue to uh work into that this morning uh i was actually reading I was reading uh, Martin Luther King's Palm Sunday Sermon from 1957, and uh, Dr. King said the central test, and this hit me right between the eyes, the, the central test of the Christian life is the transition from not my will to nevertheless and Dr. King in this brilliant way that he had with words. He said that is that's the thing that that really defines our faith. When that's where the when the we road, follow right? Jesus who said in the garden not my will but then he said but nevertheless your will not mine. And that's really I think that that's where I am over the next couple of days. I'm really thinking about Surrender. how often do I exert my own will?
3: Rather than seeking the will of jesus and and that's my heart for this week. We need to step away for just a few minutes. stay with us. Terry Tim is with us as well, not thy will nevertheless, stick around on this uh, heartbreaking day across the world as cathedrals burn. stay with us.
0: Easter, Breakthrough, starring Chrissy Metz. Boys, get off the ice! he has been underwater for 15 minutes. The odds were against her son. He's had no pulse for over an hour. Until his mother's prayer.
1: Please, Sandra, please, Spirit, to save my son.
0: Proved the impossible.
7: We've got a pulse!
0: On April 17th. I don't believe John will survive tonight. night. Discover the incredible true story.
7: You don't know my son.
0: Of an extraordinary miracle. He
7: is a fighter.
0: Breakthrough, rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. For tickets, go to BreakthroughMovie.com
7: it's so
4: nice now that the kids are asleep cheers we got the kids our house a stable income
0: checking off all the boxes
4: but there's one box we haven't checked off what's that? life insurance
0: we don't need to think about that now we're young
4: that's why now is the best time Life insurance gets more expensive the older you get.
0: But I don't have time to do a blood test. It's such a hassle to meet with someone just to get a quote.
4: Not with Ethos. Ethos? It's a modern kind
7: of life insurance. You just answer four quick questions at GetEthos.com and get a free instant quote. No pushy salespeople. And no medical exams required for policies covering under a million dollars. You can apply online in just 10 minutes.
0: 10 minutes? Let's do
1: it.
4: Hmm. But then what will we do for the rest of the night?
1: I'm
0: sure we can think of something.
1: <laughs> Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com.
11: I'm Alexandra. I'm the styling director at Guilt Group. I've always believed that when a woman is in an outfit that she loves, she not only looks amazing, but she feels amazing too. What am I working for? To inspire confidence through style. At ADP,
5: we're designing a better way to work so you can achieve what you're working for. HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. Learn more
8: at design.adp.com.
3: At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville,
8: Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers.
4: Talking to Terry Tim, Christ Community Church of the South Hills. Um, In our last minutes, Terry, you know, we were talking about Palm Sunday before we had to go to break, and I was thinking about the expectations that we have of what God's going to do for us, you know, whether God's going to heal us or, you know, God's going to fix our situation financially or he's going to whatever and... And what it's like when God doesn't do what we think God's going to do. And that's, to me, how I look at Palm Sunday. I think, well, those people thought that Jesus was going to ride in there and they were going to be liberated from Herod and from the Romans. And it was all going to be good. And it was nothing like that.
2: Yeah, I I think many of us, we just have underdeveloped understandings of who God is. I I I think. Many times in my life I've treated God like as a as a slot machine. Yeah. You know, if I put my coin in, I just pull that handle and and God's going to deliver and and the coins of blessing are going to come out. I mean God God is for us, God is with us. God always has my best in in his mind. But that's that's the problem. I don't think the way God thinks. Right. But he's always surprising. Right. He I mean God always has our best in mind quite often the pathway that we get there is an unexpected pathway and quite often it is a path of suffering and 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 why would we think there would be any other pathway when this is the path that our master showed us and yet i will do everything in my power to avoid (laughs) any kind of pain Mm -hmm. suffering sorrow or loss and yet it's it's i mean in this easter season i i i I always go back to the C.S. Lewis quote. Nothing that has not died can be resurrected. I want the resurrection. I don't want mm-hmm. the death. And I think that's – that's most of us feel that way. We want the blessing of the new life. We want the new creation, but we don't want the pain, the suffering, no. the sorrow, the death to get there. Keep us away. And it's, it's the path that God chooses, and Jesus shows us the way if we trust him in the midst of it. Right.
3: Yeah. And so there it is today. As Notre Dame burns, we, we look to the ashes, but know at some point beauty will rise from that. It's th- it, that's God's way of acting in the world, and I trust it will be God's
2: way of acting in our lives uh, this Easter season.
4: Amen. Hey, coming up on our 5 o'clock hour, 5.30, we're talking to Abby Johnson. Uh, John and I saw her movie, Unplanned, last week. It is an absolutely terrific thing. But we're going to talk to Abby about her own personal story coming to uh, coming to life in theaters. And also in a little bit, David French from National Review.
3: Very nice. It's to 5 o'clock
4: hour. Thanks, Terry.
3: Great to be with you. Thank you. Terry Tim, Christ Community Church of the South Hills.
7: word that changes the world.
5: 101.5
6: WORDFM, Pittsburgh,
7: a service of Salem Media Group.
6: With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. One of the most iconic buildings of Western civilization is on fire in Paris this evening. The Cathedral of Notre Dame, one of the centerpieces of Parisian life, is ablaze, toppling its spire and spreading to one of the church's landmark rectangular towers. Shock,
1: sadness, and heartbreak are almost a universal reaction from around the world at the swift blaze which has consumed much of the iconic Gothic cathedral. Flames and black smoke were seen shooting from the base of the medieval church's spire Monday afternoon when the fire was reported shortly after 6 p.m. Paris time, minutes after it had closed to the public. There have been no reports of injury. France's President Macron is reported on site. George Manzani reporting.
6: On Wall Street, the Dow down by 27 points to close at 26,384. The NASDAQ dropping by 8 points. The S&P declined 1. Oil dropped to 63.40 a barrel. This is SRNU. This is the Entertainment Answer. This Is Us star Chrissy Metz
1: gives one of her most emotional performances yet in the faith-driven film Breakthrough. When her 14-year-old son drowns in a lake, a faithful mother prays for him to come back from the brink of death and be healed.
11: And my son can hear you whether you believe it or not. From
4: now on, I don't want anybody saying anything negative about his prognosis in this room.
1: Breakthrough, rated PG in theaters April 17th. For this Entertainment Answer, I'm Matt Mungle. The backyard's looking great, Rob. Thanks, man. I was planning on
0: adding a deck, too. Know any good contractors? Why don't you just ask Home Advisor? Home what? Homeadvisor.com. You just tell them about your project and they match you with local pros that can do the job. Nice. How much does it cost? Oh, HomeAdvisor's totally free to use. Plus, you can read customer reviews, check pricing, and book appointments for free. What's the website again? HomeAdvisor.com. Or just download the free HomeAdvisor app.
8: HomeAdvisor.
3: It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindau has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. I have never had a female dentist. I started to have problems with a
1: tooth and I thought, you know what, I'll just go once. David remembers his first visit with Dr. Megan Stock. I had such a good time that I'm surprised they allowed me to come back because I had a lot of things that needed to be fixed. She makes you feel so calm and so comfortable. She's just terrific at what she does. I have had no discomfort at all with anything that she's done. Perry Highway in Wexford at stockfamilydentistry.com.
8: Historically, the church has always moved on its needs. Hi, I'm Pastor Ed Glover, founder and president of Urban Impact Foundation, and I want to invite you to the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference Thursday and Friday, May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Join Pastor John Guest and pastors and teachers from RPTS, Geneva College, Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more. That's the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd. Tickets and details at wordfm.com prayer.
10: Tonight will be a cold one for April. We'll have skies turning out clear, and the low will be 36. Then tomorrow looks to turn noticeably milder, but you'll see increasing clouds. The high will be 64. Tomorrow night we'll have mainly cloudy skies and a shower in spots. The low will be 53. Wednesday will be mostly cloudy with a mainly early shower. Milder still, though, with the high 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait.
2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word
3: FM. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon and welcome. A terrifying manifestation of the truth of Judeo Christian life in Europe. They say that we are aflame and powerless to quell the fire. We watch in horror as our country burns. Notre Dame Cathedral, as you may have heard, is on fire, and um, the reports are saying it may be beyond repair, which is absolutely shocking. If you've ever had the uh, the privilege, the luxury to be in Paris, France, and visit uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral uh, since 1163, when construction started, to today, it has stood as a beacon of Christian life in a at once Christian nation.
4: If you missed any part of our four o'clock hour, we, uh, we urge you to find our, our podcast on iTunes and also on our website at com. But we talked to, uh, Edwin Tate, who's a freelance writer and an editor at Christian History Magazine about the unique place that that Building had um, not just in the church history of France, but in the political history of France, because in many ways, in a way that we can't understand in America, those are closely linked. They sure so the, they are. the the monarchy historically in France absolutely tied to that building, and even as you were talking about there being a retreat from Christianity in France, that's that building held the affection of every French-speaking person and and all the other tens of millions of people who've walked through the doors. And I loved it and was never there. No, of course. I mean, so watching it burn is just absolutely so very, very sad. Just very sad.
3: So you never know, right? I mean, we think that um, we know the ways of the world, but who knows what this debacle will spark. Perhaps Mm -hmm. there will be, as people in France examine their own conscience and see their own brokenness and fallenness and go... Well, maybe this is a sign that we should return to God, and who knows where this will lead? Yeah. I mean that's what I can take from this that I think is optimistic at best.
4: Well, Terry, Tim, who was just with us, and uh, he he was with us in the second part of the hour that you can also catch in the podcast, he said that he was there worshiping just a couple years ago in a packed house. Um, so clearly, there's a vibrant community there, and you know, God's blessings on them as they try to figure, I, I can't imagine how you start. After something so catastrophic, uh, such an unbelievably historic place, um, and you know, let's pray for all the firefighters, everyone who's involved in this right now. Right. I mean,
3: and that would be the blessing that no one was yeah. injured in this fire. But to, to think of all those, uh, all those hundreds and hundreds of years, and what that would be like to rebuild something that was central to French life,
4: yeah. Yeah, so as we, as we all, you know, pay attention to what's happening in Paris and pray for everyone involved, uh, police leadership and, and those who are fighting the fire and those in, uh, political leadership and just the average French person who's just absolutely devastated to watch this happen. Mm-hmm. We also think about yesterday being, um, Palm Sunday and also being a, uh, one of the most historic days in sports I can remember, John. I, I think mean, so I, too. You know, I think back of, you know, um, I remember when Phil Mickelson won the Masters, it was his very first major, and that was a huge deal in the world of sports. Um, And Tiger just being an an omnipresence at, at the top of every leaderboard for a decade. I mean, he just was, he was unbeatable. And then, of course, 11 years ago, the news came out that he had had a fight with his wife, his and wife
3: blew out the back end of the, the right? his uh, Cadillac Escalade with a cl- with a golf club.
4: Right, because she was so furious, and of course, the question was, well, why is she so mad? And then oh. we found out way more than we ever wanted to know about Tiger Woods' personal life. And isn't it fascinating that for someone who you know was uh, he, he's always said he was raised in Buddhism, um, he was incredibly successful in his professional life. He was he was famous world over that collapse of his personal life was the collapse of his professional life
3: yes they went hand in hand and really and that was it as little as you know not not even that long ago a few months ago the idea that tiger would somehow come back and win a master's seemed improbable oh, at best gosh. and impossible most likely but there he was yesterday putting on the I, I still
4: I still can't believe it you know so the question's been for the last eleven years would tiger ever be able to come back no so he's had what four knee surgeries four back surgeries mm-hmm. um as his you know none of us have any access and nor do i want to know anything about how he has rebuilt his personal life um but as he was trying to rebuild his body, as he was trying to find a way to, to work through all the back pain he had. I mean, I remember watching a golf tournament where he collapsed on the fair. In fact, that little clip in the Nike uh, ad that they put out today yeah. in Reflecting on the Masters has that clip exactly. of him collapsing in a fairway. And I mean, look, Just uh, in abject pain. And
3: how long ago was it that he was pulled over and that there he was Referent pulled DUI. over? DUI. Right. I mean, he was already you know high on painkillers. Yeah, maybe four years ago. With a mugshot. Right. I mean, that, that, not a pretty sight as And well. anyone
4: who's had back pain can imagine how you'd of be course. strung out on painkillers, Right? Well, you
3: look at the opioid epide- epidemic and you think, sure, you know, that guy, everybody knows that guy. Right. So there he right. is. And anyway, the
4: thing- so the conversation always was so he, before all this happened, he was chasing Nicholas's record. Um, and was he going to be able to make it? Was he going to be able to, to, you know, have as many majors as Nicholas? And then all this happened and I, Every time someone asked that question, I thought, well, he's never – obviously, he's never going to win another major.
3: Played well. He's never
4: going to win another major. He's never right. going to win win one.
3: Kind of expected.
4: Listen, as I watched that yesterday, and I, I shared in the first hour when we talked to Ian Gunn about uh, about Tiger Woods, that I never I, – I didn't dislike him most of the time, but I never rooted for him. I never did because he was after the fact. Yeah, no, even before. No, before I knew anything about his personal life, he was just an unlikable golfer. Mm -hmm. He was arrogant. He he was not. He was not. And I know a lot of golf. No golfer is a team player, so to speak, unless you're talking about the Ryder Cup. But they're individual players. They're independent contractors. I get that. But he was just unpleasant. He you know would you know yell at people. He you know throw his clubs. He'd curse. That's just all that stuff that was disinteresting to me yesterday. I rooted for him like it was my whole job.
3: Heck yeah, of course, because <laughs> you want every, everyone. Everyone so wants excited. to see redemption. Oh my god! Everyone gosh. wants to see a second chance oh. or a third chance.
4: Okay, but not everybody, because I heard a lot of people today talking, and of course, reading a lot of stuff online. People saying Tiger Woods doesn't deserve a second chance. Tiger Woods was uh, a manipulator. He treated women horribly. He didn't care about his wife. He didn't care about any of his, anybody who played around him.
3: What do they know? I don't walk in the man's shoes. So who am I to say, Oh, yeah, that guy doesn't deserve this. I don't know the guy. I'm just reading the sports pages and watching CBS and the the Masters. So when I see someone, look, all you got to do is look at the own wreckage of your own life. Who among us is, is perfect? Mm -hmm. Of course, right? I mean, we're train wrecks. That's plain and simple. The only difference is our train wreck is not on national television or on international media. So you can sit back and go, he doesn't deserve this and he doesn't deserve that. Sure, I get that. It's easy to, to hate the villain. But at the same time, it is easy also. Well, it's not easy, but you want to root for the guy to reinvent himself and have another shot. And when you saw a Tiger yesterday hug that 10-year-old son of his... Didn't you
4: want <laughs> to say, gosh, I cried. take this chance... Take this chance, Tiger, and just allow God to completely rework your life. You got that right. Because this is such a triumph of fortitude. The fact that he—I mean, yeah—we can. Uh, I'm sure he would give all sorts of tributes to his doctors and the, especially this, his last spinal surgeon. Yeah. I get all that. But listen, there's something inside that person. He said yes every single day to his physical therapy to his occupational therapy to everything else he's done and he has been a tireless a tireless advocate for his own career you got i just love i love it good for him
3: i agree i was thrilled me too i cried when
4: when he when he put it in on 18
3: (laughs) i think he did as well we'll take a quick break come back david french from the national review will join us we're going to talk about of all things chick-fil-a and yale the culture wars continue. Stick around. It's Word FM and WPIT. 101.5
7: WORD.
1: Men and women are waiting until later in life to get married, and many of them aren't handling their single years very well. Here's
8: Marshall Siegel.
1: I think there's an increasing number of young people that are disillusioned with marriage. And I think divorce is the biggest factor here, that the only picture of marriage that they've known up close is really hard. We'll talk about being not yet married next time on Family Life Today tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD
7: It's Better Together the exciting daily half-hour talk show by women and for women coming to TBN weekdays starting April 22nd It's good friends like Lori Crouch Christine Kane, Carrie Job, Victoria Osteen, Lisa Harper and many more. It's more than just a TV show It's your daily destination for love friendship, encouragement and community starting Monday, April 22nd at 1.30 Eastern only on TBN Text TOGETHER to three. 316 to join in. That's together to 316-316.
12: They didn't teach us this in Bible college. A family in my church has asked me to help with their son who's addicted to heroin. They're in a serious crisis, and I'm so busy with everything else at the church. How do I
3: help them? For over 50 years... Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has come alongside local pastors to help them in the fight against addiction in their congregations. Call 724-265-4100 now. Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. Creation
0: Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, Carrie Joe, 10th Avenue North, and Mendisa, as well as over 15 speakers like Bob Lenz, Reggie Dabs, and David Nasser. Be a part of the creation worship experience in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com.
4: Obamacare, Trump Care, Affordable Care, Cobra. I mean, think of all the choices that are available out there, and all of them seem to bring one word to mind. Expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. And fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years, and that's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Now, Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help to determine which plan is right for you, help you choose the best plan for your needs, and then do so prudently. You don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. You want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. And because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousands of dollars a year. So call Todd at Marley Financials, 724-884-1496, 724-884-1496, or on the web at marleyfg.com.
3: David French is with us. David's a regular guest on our show. He joins us from the National Review, where he's a senior writer, also a senior fellow at the National Review Institute, a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. David, welcome back.
6: Thanks for having me. I appreciate
3: it. Always good.
4: So, David, you know, another day, another story about Chick Fil A <laughs> being, <the> <laughs> being tur- turned away from some other place. So, you know, I think it yes. was, I think it was, I think it was San Antonio. The airport there and then the the city council, that's where they decided, oh, no, we can't possibly have a food court at the airport if we include Chick-fil-A because they're a bunch of haters and so we can't have them there. And then it was Buffalo and then uh, San Jose. And I believe that where San Jose landed is they were going to allow Chick-fil-A to be there, but they were going to fly rainbow flags on both sides just so they could, I don't know, like express their own view. What, I, I, just, I have a hard time getting my head around, David. This hatred of Chick-fil-A.
6: Oh, I know. Well, you know, I say there's a couple of things going on here. One, back when this first uh, got going in like 2011, 2012, it was in the middle of the uh, gay marriage fight. And so uh, people were furious at uh, Chick-fil-A COO and founder or, 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 you know, Chick-fil-A's president and COO for his statement regarding statements regarding same-sex marriage and his support of kind of cultural war organizations like FRC, the Family Research Council. And so that turned, you know, that was sort of Chick-fil-A battle round one. And Chick-fil-A kind of backed away. Even though its customers came out in force and and supported it in large numbers, it it backed away. Now, Chick-fil-A round two, in a way, is even more ominous than round one. Round one was at least over a super hot but current political argument. Round two is... Boycotting Chick Fil A, we're not boycotting, blocking Chick Fil A because it has given money to the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh my gosh! And that's and that's more ominous. And here's why: because they're not they're not cultural war organizations. They are organizations. The Salvation Army serves the poor. Fellowship of Christian Athletes has brought uh, community and spiritual instruction and love and hope to millions and millions of young people in the U.S. They're not fighting a culture war. They're just living out their Christianity. And so that, that's what makes this ominous. It's, it's as if part of the culture is saying organizations that are just living out their Christianity according to traditional Christian precepts and ideas are no longer welcome in the American marketplace.
3: Right. And so this is a new day, right? So if Chick-fil-A is on the front lines, then how many other organizations or churches or individuals are also going to be put upon because of this?
6: Yeah, well, that's a great question. I mean, it's almost to the point now where how many how many businesses are one Google search away from facing their own acts of reprisal? Now, it's important to note that these acts are unconstitutional, uh, but, you know, it is difficult to sue. Now, Chick-fil-A, of course, has the resources if it wants to, to sue and win, but it is hard to summon up the resources to file lawsuits to beat back cities that want to ban businesses. It's sort of mm-hmm. easier if the businesses sort of self-censor, if they stop giving to these Christian organizations, and that that to me is the the thing that is, uh, you know, particularly um, killing about this incident, is it's not just the message it's sending to Chick-fil-A, it's the message it's sending to an awful lot of other people.
7: Hmm.
4: Now, this the situation in San Antonio uh, gave me some hope. Now, and I haven't seen an update in the last couple of days. But I think at the end of last week, I saw that the governor of Texas was actually going to investigate the city council because he said, "Look, this has to, this is this is prejudicial." Do you know anything about the update on that?
11: No,
6: I don't know any recent updates, but yeah, there is going to be there is going to be an investigation, which is entirely right and proper because this is a discrimination on the basis of religion. Right. It is being to the Chick-fil-A Foundation, which is, enjoys the, the, its, its own constitutional rights, that its affiliates are going to be punished because the Chick-fil-A Foundation um, exercised a constitutional right. Now, interestingly enough, there's another case out in California that actually is going to help Chick-fil-A, where an Obama judge turned back uh, an effort to dismiss a case brought by a conservative who was facing reprisal for his private conservative speech uh, where uh, California school districts were not sending kids to field trips at his place of business because of his private speech. And they, an Obama appointee judge said those facts, if if proven, would constitute unlawful retaliation.
3: I see. Now the irony is, David, that of course Chick Fil A is going to be fine because they continue their excellent food and their excellent service. And they I, are yeah. part of the community. And
4: if I wait in the drive-through, it has to be at least twenty-five minutes.
3: Right. So Chick Fil A, you know, as an organization, <laughs> is still always going to be top-notch. Um, this is a distraction. But the odd thing is, people who would never darken the day, you know, inside of a Chick Fil A in their progressive uh, fist-shaking politics, are also those same people who today might go, "Oh, Notre Dame is." Brilliant. What a shame! We've lost a cultural icon.
6: Well, you know, yeah, that's that. That is, you know, I think that there's an issue with Notre Dame, and that look, I mean, that is not just a a religious uh, a religious symbol; it's a cultural symbol as well. It's it's something that anyone who's been to been connected with, and so I think that there are an awful lot of people who look at that and see it as a secular loss, and. Not in the same way that Christians look at it and see it as the loss of one of the most ancient and enduring church churches in the world, a place that has blessed countless millions of people over the course of its history. But yeah, you know, I think that um, there are people who can appre- often appreciate the church in the abstract or appreciate some of the good things that the church can do, uh, such as build beautiful cathedrals or serve. The most vulnerable people in society, but they despise the church for what it actually believes.
4: We're talking to David French from the National Review. David, I want to change the subject for just a bit. I want to ask you about the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, this is an organization that has yearly put out its uh, hate list. Has its hate list, and conservative groups, of course, populate this this uh, hate list. Um, and uh, but the Southern Poverty Law Center now, over the last what two weeks, has you know enjoyed a spot in the Washington Post, which I'm sure they never wanted. And that is all sorts of information about the inner workings of the center that are not making it look very good.
6: Yeah, it's not just the Washington Post. It's been the New York Times, the L. A. Times, the New Yorker. I mean, it is under an an incredible amount of scrutiny for the first time nationally ever. Um, Although, ironically enough, the Montgomery Advertiser, a a local Montgomery, Alabama newspaper, exposed many of these same things in the Southern Poverty Law Center twenty five years ago, and the mainstream media didn't pay attention. But now the chickens are coming home to roost. I mean, it's being exposed as an organization that is not only mistreated conservative organizations over the years, labeling uh, orthodox, you know, small, orthodox Christian organizations hateful, or uh, naming mainstream conservative citizens as extremists, um, it's not only been corrupt in that endeavor, it turns out that it has not even been in its own, within its own walls, living up to its ideals of racial justice. And so it's, it's and it's also been a giant, enormous fundraising machine to a scandalous extent. And so people are waking up, and now what remains to be seen are these major progressive corporations and media entities um, that have previously relied on SPLC designations to make judgments about other people and groups. Will they continue to do so? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this now discredits the SPLC, that the SPLC engages in soul-searching and goes back to its fundamental roots of, com- of combating known issues uh, known and, and, and deeply troubling aspects of racism, rather than sort of, the, you know, as a progressive social justice warrior type organization. Uh, but we'll see.
3: And yeah. And how does this happen? I mean, is this particular to 21st century? I mean, is, is this always, you know, the social media boogeyman where it's someone, something like Southern Poverty Law Center or Julian Assange? You know, they start out as one thing and then they become something mm-hmm. else and they're, then they're lauded as either villains or heroes, depending upon your perspective.
6: Well, I think Julian Assange was one thing the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he was. I think he was corrupt the whole time. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that you know, if there's that power corrupts, I do think that greed corrupts. Uh, well, greed is corrupting inherently. I think that you know these these um, this is what we've seen happen is when an organism certain level of notoriety when and you combine that with Is the extreme polarization of our times, but there's an awful lot of temptation towards mission creep. There's the temptation towards expanding the the scope of the organization, um, which brings in more dollars, which brings more attention, but then at the same time begins to tempt it away from its core mission and sort of tempt it into the corrupting partisanship of, you know, of our times. And so... I think that this is something that a lot of organizations have to watch out for. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. all as yes. sort of powerful and poked sure, right. as SPLC, but a lot of organizations need to be concerned about
4: this. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I think that's a good word, is that every organization, You know, even from the tiniest little nonprofit, this is your sign that you need to watch your own stuff, and you need to make sure that your books are good, and that you're doing what you say you're doing, especially for all the people who are entrusting their money to you. So I think that's very important. Um, On the other hand, David, when I think about how many media outlets and how many media figures have just taken the word of the Southern Poverty Law Center for the last 10 years in this hate group. List it makes me physically sick. I mean, they have oh, just awful. basically just whatever SPLC Steam tells rolls. us. That's the group that we're going to hate, and we're going to take their word for it, and we're not going to look into it ourselves because that's what they said. So that has to be the truth. And how many conservative organizations have been absolutely banished from the from public airwaves just because of that?
6: Well, and and it's not just that. It's you know people have been inspired to commit acts of acts of violence. This guy who went to try to murder people at Family Research Council several years ago in D.C., uh, he consulted the SPLC's list when he, when he did it. The, the students and others who tried to attack Charles Murray uh, at Middlebury College were relying in part on SPLC lists when they did it. And so, you know, these kinds, these things have, have real impacts in the real world. And, you know, I think what's happened is, again, you know, I go back to this just utterly corrupting extremism of our partisan. Polarization, And what's happening is, as soon as an organization or an entity is labeled as bad, um, it's almost as if, you know, there's that phrase, too good to check. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if this labeling is too powerful to check. And so it, it reinforces a lot of the existing prejudices of people in the mainstream media. It reinforces a lot of existing anti-Christian biases. And so it's just too good to really examine. Oh, look, here's the SPLC. It's, read, it's led by a civil rights icon and more of these. It is, you know, it's dedicated to fighting for social justice. It has made this determination. And so not many people went back and, and really examined the justifications to see if it was valid, whereas the people who were labeled ought, had started to finally fight back. And in one instance, the SPLC was required to write or wrote a, a check for multiple millions of dollars to a Muslim, a British Muslim man who, his entire purpose of his organization and his work was to combat Muslim extremism, and they had called him an anti-Muslim extremist.
4: Hmm. (laughs) That's ironic.
3: It surely is. Well, okay, so maybe the the truth will come out, however uh, twisted and long times that it takes, the truth will finally be free.
6: Yeah, well, it's coming out. It's just we'll see what the uh, what impact the church has.
3: I'm into that. Well, David, thanks for being with us. Always appreciate your uh, your time here with us.
6: Thanks for having me. Much
3: appreciated. Our pleasure. Thank you. David French, senior writer for National Review, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute, David French. Hey, we'll take a break, come back. Listen, I want to remind you that in just a little bit, uh, around 535 or so, Abby Johnson will be with us. From the movie Unplanned, her incredible story, live here on Word FM and WPIT.
12: Okay, here's the deal. Mortgage rates went up this year, right? Wrong. If you're looking to lower your monthly payment or thinking of getting cash out of your home, mortgage rates are actually now the lowest in months. But the clock's ticking. At a cash call mortgage, there's no better time to take advantage than right now. Call us at 833-458-CASH. Speak with one of our refinance specialists today, and you may be able to lock in the lowest rates of the year before they're gone. We'll even get the process started without the upfront deposit other lenders still charge. That's 833-458-CASH. Refinance with Cash Call Mortgage today. Impact Mortgage Corp. DBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS ID 128231. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in all states including New York. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Don't let these low rates pass you by. All you need to get started is a phone. Dial 833-458-CASH. Again, 833-458-CASH refinance with Cash Call Mortgage today.
7: Pella has done it again with a brand new series called Lifestyle. Wood windows and patio doors delivering solutions for real life. Performance redefined. Unbeatable energy efficiency, sound control and value. Innovations like integrated blinds, shades and security sensors. Unique solutions for every room with the best limited lifetime warranty for wood windows and patio doors. For a limited time, get 50% off installation, 12 months no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA. PELLA Pittsburgh Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm
4: able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them.
1: Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com.
4: You know, I've spent a lot of time at Grove City College over the last, I don't know, year, year and a half. You know, my, my daughter's a student there, and... Um, We've also had an opportunity to go up there with a lot of our guests who've spoken and been visitors from out of town. And one of the things that has constantly and consistently been um, a surprising pleasure to me is how diverse the student body is there. And, you know, we think it's a Christian college. It has certain, you know, perspectives and certain uh, regulations and all that's true. But not everybody there is the same. Not everybody there is the same from a religious perspective. Not everybody's the same there from a political perspective.
3: It's true now that on college campuses across the country, many colleges are disinviting those who would have a different perspective of the college's stated ideology. That runs anathema to what Grove City is all about. Grove City is inclusive. Grove City welcomes different opinions. Grove City wants to sharpen iron with iron by engaging all people of faith. So if you think that Grove City College is just one particular color, one narrow bandwidth, then you need to go visit Grove City to see for yourself the great variety, the beauty of Christian faith that is flourishing, and all are welcome to express their lives and their desires as they work through Jesus Christ in the four years on campus.
4: Find out more at gcc.edu.
10: Tonight will be a cold one for April. We'll have skies turning out clear, and the low will be 36. Then tomorrow looks to turn noticeably milder, but you'll see increasing clouds. The high will be 64. Tomorrow night we'll have mainly cloudy skies and a shower in spots. The low will be 53. Wednesday will be mostly cloudy with a mainly early shower. Milder still, though, with the high 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank (music) Strite.
4: This day in history.
3: It's a heck of a day in history. Wow. just added to it today, as a matter of fact.
4: Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in 1865. Yeah. The Titanic sank. uh,
3: 1912. Right. Talked about that last week.
4: We did, and we said 1921. You said 1921, and I said, right. And then all of a sudden the phone started ringing. Hey, hey, hey. Wait, you're both morons.
3: Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Today. I mean, what is it about this day that uh, has brought such calamity upon the world?
4: Yeah. The good news about Notre Dame, which is what John's talking about, is that uh, the Washington Post reports that the iconic towers of the cathedral have been saved, so says French fire officials, um, that the main structure is kept intact. Fox News says that. And uh, CNN reports that the fire is weakening, but two-thirds of the cathedral roof is destroyed, one firefighter seriously injured. All
3: right. Well, that's good news, I guess, in a, in a day of very bad news. We'll take a, a quick break. Listen, uh, Kath and I, we went and uh, saw the movie Unplanned last week, which we cannot recommend enough. You have to see it. Uh, it's a, a horrific film on, on one uh, one stage, but a beautiful film as well. Mm. And so the the subject of that film, Abby Johnson, who is the founder and director of And Then There Were None, will join us in just a few minutes to tell her incredible story of eight years at the helm of Planned Parenthood. Stick around for that. Abby Johnson live in just a few minutes here on Word FMWP-IT.
7: WORD. Turning point
3: with David Jeremiah.
8: One day, all of the pains and the aches and the deformities and the deficiencies that we sense in our earth bodies are going to all be taken away when we get our heavenly bodies. And we're going to know the joy of full capacity with
3: the Lord. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Signs, next time on Turning
1: Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD.
0: This Easter, Breakthrough, starring Chrissy Metz. Boys, get off the ice! he has been underwater 15 minutes. The odds were against her son.
1: He's had no pulse for over an
0: hour. Until his mother's prayer.
7: Please, Sandra, please, spirit, to save my son.
0: Proved the impossible.
7: We've got a pulse!
0: on April 17th. I don't believe John will survive tonight. Discover the incredible true story.
7: You don't know my son.
0: Of an extraordinary miracle. He
1: is a fighter.
0: Breakthrough. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. For tickets, go to
1: BreakthroughMovie.com. This Easter, celebrate the life of Christ as you break bread with family and friends and leave the cooking to Bistro to Go on the North Side with simply delicious gourmet creations sure to make your event memorable. Like brown sugar baked ham with pineapple sauce, maple glazed turkey with gravy bistro pecan sweet potato casserole whole chocolate mousse cake and so much more for intimate gatherings to grand events all reasonably priced for pickup and ready to serve order now at bistroandcompany.com this is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman you don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take at Abernethy and Hagerman estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice We have the experience to help not only plan but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman,
3: legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 Classical Christian School, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org train
1: up children in the way they should go and when they are old they will not depart from it pittsburgh will help you locate true educational partners in allegheny beaver butler and washington counties pittsburgh listen
8: to your favorite christian programs anytime on the one place app download and listen offline stream to your car or automated home device download one place at google play or the itunes app store We are efforting
3: right now with uh, Abby Johnson and her uh, peeps to bring her live on the air. Uh, Abby Johnson, you may know, is the um, the subject of a film in theaters right now called Unplanned. Um, uh, as far as Hollywood budgets, it's not a big budget whatsoever. Uh, I know there are many people who go, oh, a Christian film, uh, bad acting, poor production values, a lot of cheese. This is none of it. This is a, an excellent story, heartbreaking as it is, but it's very, very well told. And if you've not yet seen Unplanned, we'd highly recommend mm-hmm. that you do it this week.
4: Yeah, uh, John and I went and saw it together last week, and um, you know, I knew about the film. The, it's based on the book Unplanned that Abby released several years ago, and so I know the story. Um, so I, I kind of went into it thinking I kind of knew what it was going to be before before it began. And that's really, absolutely not what happened. Yeah, very much not what happened. The film was a surprise to me in many ways. Um, I, I think that the, I think that its heart, um, really came through, and that is that it's a story of a person, one person who is flawed and has made mistakes and has changed her mind, and look, shouldn't we be the kind of people that welcome? Those who screw up and change their mind. I mean, th- that's really, I mean, it's kind of like the Tiger like Woods. Kinda, yeah, it's kind of like the Tiger Woods story we talked about yesterday. You know, if we're all just going to, you know, be a morality club, what's the point?
3: Well, no, there's no point.
4: There's no point because none of us are moral enough. None of us are good enough. Right. What I would like to hear are real stories about real people who've encountered a real God. That's what I want to hear. And that's what Unplanned is about? Yeah.
3: I mean, Planned Parenthood, it's it's an amazing organization in that, you know, they are sort of Wizard of Oz-ish, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, that they present themselves as one thing, and then just about everybody knows that that's a falsity, because what really goes on is that their profits are derived from killing babies Mm -hmm. by the millions over many, many years. And so, you know... When well, a few years ago when uh, people went undercover and exposed, you know, the
4: Center for Medical Progress, yes,
3: the, the body parts and all that still Planned Parenthood, they continue to thrive. And now with the release of the film Unplanned, here's another picture of what Planned Parenthood would look like. Abby Johnson is with us. Abby is the founder and director of And Then There Were None. She worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years, working her way up through the ranks to become the clinic director, a clinic in Bryan, Texas. She was Planned Parenthood's employee of the year in 2008, but she walked away from her job after witnessing the abortion of a 13-week-old fetus during an ultrasound-guided abortion. As we said, we saw the film uh, last week, Unplanned, and happy to welcome Abby Johnson to the airwaves. Abby, how are you today?
4: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me
3: on. Thank you so much,
4: Abby. I, I mentioned before we got you on the air here that I was familiar with your book. I'm familiar with your story. I thought that before I went walked in and saw Unplanned that I was, you know, this is I was going to know exactly what the film was about. I was really surprised by the film, and the number one thing that surprised me is how it's just a real story about a real person um, and you are that person. Is the heart of the film um, lovely to you when you sit back as just someone who's watching it and think, wow, that that's really my story.
11: Yeah. I mean, when we first started working on this, I had said from the very beginning that, you know, I didn't want this to be a film that was sort of inspired by true events. I mean, I did want it to be my story. And I felt like the directors and the producers did a really great job of capturing the authenticity of my story and the reality of what's happening inside of these clinics.
3: When you see the film, Abby, uh, you know. To be honest, I, I did not know your story. So when I saw the film and and I see you as a a young college girl who was recruited essentially to be a volunteer at the parking lot to walk in young women to the Planned Parenthood uh, clinic, I mean that's that's fascinating to think about that. As you know, there you are, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, and then just a few years later, you find yourself at the helm of this clinic. And what what I really liked about it, you know, having been spent some time in sales, you see yourself, and they show this little montage of you upselling people. You know, you're closing on people left and right. I mean, what was that like for you to to feel that power, to know that you know you were doing a good job for some organization that you thought was doing good works?
11: Yeah, you know, I I mean, I really did believe that. I, I really didn't see how much of a salesperson I had become until I stepped away from it. And um, that was when I really realized how deep in this I had become. And I think there is, you know, I mean, there was definitely a sense of pride for me just knowing that, you know, hey, I I can – you know, I can sell this to anybody and look at our numbers. Our numbers are so good. I mean, there is sort of a sense of pride that comes with that.
3: Sure.
4: Abby, the film shows, um, tells the story of the two abortions that you personally had, um, but focuses in particular on one. And, um, and we get to see, uh, the actress who portrays you go through that experience. It was absolutely heart wrenching to watch. Um, from your perspective, Abby, was that essential for you that that was included in the film?
11: It was um, for two reasons. One, to just show the reality of medication abortion. I, you know, I hear it all the time. Yeah, so do from, I. From you know, women who have made that decision, who have had medication abortions, and who have really struggled. It wasn't what they were told it was going to be. Um, and so I really wanted to show that sort of in a way, like, just to vindicate these women that they could say, like, yeah, this is exactly what it was like for me, too. Um, but for another reason, I wanted people to see how easily deceived you can be, even though I was lied to and, and really betrayed by this clinic that I was a part of. um, Gosh, I st- I still came back. Yeah. And I, I wanted people to see just the level of deception um, that comes with working in that type of environment that you can essentially excuse anything. Hmm after a while even even your own personal betrayal
4: so why did you go back Abby so for people who haven't seen the film let me just break in and say that you had um, a chemical abortion which is like an RU 486 incredibly painful over a very long extended period that's not what Planned Parenthood told you what would happen um, but then after that was over you ended up going back and working for Planned P- Parenthood again why
11: you know, I think I got to a point where, after eight weeks of dealing with this this terrible abortion and just the physical complications of it alone, um, I got to a point where I you know, I just felt like, well, okay, they didn't tell me everything I needed to know about it, but I can help women know really what to expect. Mm. And it almost became this I, I mean it became a joke in the clinic actually, because they would say, oh, Don't give any of the medication abortion of patients to Abby, the patients to Abby, because she will Hmm. turn them into surgical abortion patients. Because I I really felt like there was this, I felt this desire to warn people about what was going on and and to really sort of tell the truth. Um, But in the end, I think I just felt like, you know, after eight weeks of dealing with that, I felt like, well, You know, I'm not pregnant, and that was the goal of having the abortion, so at least it worked.
3: Yeah. Abby Johnson is with us. Her best-selling book, Unplanned, has been made into a feature film, Unplanned. The movie is in theaters right now across western Pennsylvania. So, Abby, what Kath and I really loved about the film is that it showed – you know, your contemporaries, the women that you worked with at Planned Parenthood, that you were friends. And it showed them, you know, in, in, a, in a friendship light. No one was portrayed as this evil beast, you know, who was out to murder people. They showed them as real flesh and blood. And they also showed people, you know, working uh, on the front lines at, at the clinic who were protesting. They showed them, at, you know, warts and all, that there were some unfriendly faces in there. People were in your face. You know, there was the the one guy holding the Bible who was, you know, sort of praying on people. Condemning it, people, I, I shouting. At them. It was a fairly uh, even portrait of people. Can, can you talk about that?
11: Yeah, that was really important to me. You know, I've, I've said from the beginning, and I, I talked about in Unplanned in the book, that, you know, there's good and bad on both sides of this issue, on every side of any issue. There's there's good and bad. And, um, you know, the people that I worked with, I mean, they weren't there because they had this hatred of babies or children. It was misguided compassion. They were they really believed that they were doing the right thing. And so I didn't want to vilify them in any way. I wanted to show the pro-life movement that these are regular, normal people working in these clinics who are deserving of our compassion and our love and our outreach. And the way that we do this, the way that we win this battle matters. And we can't do it by yelling insults at people, being cruel, being hurtful. We've got to do it through love and compassion and mercy. That's really
3: good. You know, the the big scene for me was after you were you won the award for the clinic director of the year, and then you come out in the hallway and you know you you uh, interface with the uh, the head of Planned Parenthood regionally, where she says essentially, "Hey, look, I mean, everything that you know, the clothes on your back, the food in your stomach, all this, the lights, the building, all of this is based upon the profits that Planned Parenthood makes from abortion. I mean, that, that's such a wake up call when." When you see all that, you know, sort of arc. I mean, that had to be crushing to you.
11: Yeah, I mean, that was. I was really at that point in time questioning what was going on. These abortion quotas. This this insane. I mean, this insanely huge building we were building in order to perform abortions through the six month of pregnancy. I mean, it was just all of this was sort of coming crashing down on me very quickly. Um, and I think I was trying really hard to make sense of it and to figure out like some redeeming quality, like how can I make this okay in my head? Um, but I, I think you know all of that was sort of just chipping away at the the callousness that that I had sort of become, this callous nature that I had I had become, and I think that that ultimately. Happen so that I would be able to really open my eyes to the ultrasound guided abortion, and and know then that I had to leave.
4: Mm-hmm. Right,
11: Abby. There's so much
4: power. In your story. I mean, I can't tell you how grateful I am to God that you were brave enough to just tell the real thing. Because the more we try to varnish who we have been and the more we try to varnish our own decisions, the less power there is in the actual story. And you have chosen to just say it. And I, good for you. I, I can't tell you how many lives you have changed just because you told your own story without having self-protection be your number one priority
11: well my gosh you know you hope that anyone when when staring at the face of evil in that sort of way would would turn around and say I I just can't do this anymore yeah um, you know you would hope that that would be the response and I, I guess you know when we did this film I, just, I really wanted people to know that it's okay to change your mind yep yeah on even a really big issue, even something like abortion, it's okay to say, you know what, I've actually been thinking the wrong way about this, and now I'm going to do it, I'm going to think differently, you know? Yeah. And um, it, it, it's okay to, to one day realize that you've been doing something wrong. You've been believing the wrong way. And that was what I really wanted to help people understand is that you don't have to hold on to a certain belief just because you've had it your whole life or because that's what your parents told you or whatever i mean be educated about what you believe know what you believe and that's why i've been telling people who are pro-choice like just go see the film you can still walk out and be pro-choice but my goodness if if you're going to support something, know what it is that you support.
3: That's good. I mean, you know, uh, from a guy's perspective, you know, watching, you know, the scenes with uh, your marriage, your husband going, well, I, I really don't like that you're working to Planned Parenthood, but I'll always love you. I still love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I dug that so much that, you know, he was, he was there with you.
11: Yeah, and that, you know, a lot of times people will ask him, you know, how did you do that? Why did you marry somebody who, you know, was, was, God's doing something that you so oppose. He loves you. Um and you know, his answer was, Look, jobs are temporary, but I knew that I wanted to love her forever. Hmm. And and that I mean, God, isn't that what marriage is supposed to be? <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be love forever and you're gonna have different jobs. You're gonna have differences of opinion. I mean, that's going to happen. But if you're really called to marry someone, then you've gotta stick it out. I mean, through thick and thin no matter what.
4: Yeah. We're talking to Abby Johnson. Her story is the subject of the new movie Unplanned. Abby, we only have one minute left, but I, I just want to tell you that the the scene from the movie—I've talked about it on the air three times since then—that absolutely affected me more than anything is the scene where she's taught where the women come out after the abortion and they're in the recovery room. And um, and I thought to myself, this—we're looking at the scene and we're looking at these women in various states of anesthesia—and I thought this is what our country has sold as being freedom for women.
11: Yeah, that's exactly right, and I think that you know our liberal media has done a really good job of sanitizing and normalizing abortion. It's time for that veil to be lifted. It's time for people to see the truth, and they will see that in this film, Unplanned.
3: Excellent. Well, Abby, thanks an awful lot. We love the film. Greatly appreciate you being with us today.
11: Thank you so much for having me.
3: Abby Johnson, the book and the movie, Unplanned. Go see the movie this week, Unplanned. nothing changes
1: the appearance of a house like a new front entry door. Energy Swing Steve Rennekamp on the best way to raise your curb appeal.
6: What our consultants have the ability to do is actually take a picture of your house and superimpose new entry doors on that. So they can change the color, they can change the style, they can change the glass options. They can do a lot with their computer simulation program so you can actually see how that door is going to look in your house. If you're picking an entry door at a big box store, you don't really know what it's going to look like on your house till you get there. With the way we do it you can
8: actually see that door on your house and make any changes you want to before you decide to buy it's a good time to do this because you beat the price increases that are coming next year the other nice thing is with all of our doors we supply a free ring doorbell right now take an extra
1: 250 off any new entry door over and above any current offers plus a free ring doorbell with your purchase for word listeners only learn more at energy at extreme
3: car and truck in bridgeville Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville for the extreme in all of us at
1: extremetruck.net. Why a classical Christian education? Because kids learn differently at different ages. Through grammar, we grasp the building blocks of knowledge. Logic teaches how those building blocks relate. Then rhetoric helps us communicate what we know. For over 50 years, Trinity Christian School has intentionally applied this classical approach to education with great success. It's just one reason why they're consistently ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. Trinity
10: Christian School at TrinityChristian.net introducing the new five dollar biggie bag from wendy's it comes with a new bacon double stack made with a quarter pound of fresh never frozen beef and topped with crispy apple with smoked bacon plus four nuggets fries and a drink all for just five bucks that's right just five dollars the new five dollar biggie bag from wendy's is everything you could ever want well at least for lunch try wendy's new five dollar biggie bag today Biggie Bag includes four-piece nuggets, small
12: fries, and a small drink. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Approximate weight before cooking. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at Unbound.org.
6: The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors, and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters.
2: I started exercising instead of smoking.
6: Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on
1: trying. Learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. We did it. So can you. You can quit. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW for help getting free medication, if available and eligible. That's 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
3: Well, that was interesting. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did our time with Abby Johnson.
4: Listen, it it's just so good, isn't it, to just see... The actual thing, just a, a real story. I mean, you know, all our conversation about Tiger Woods uh, that you see all over the place, not just in sports media, but the rest of the media today, people are talking about redemption. People are talking about subjects that for those of us who follow Jesus should be. That's our language. This is our language, right? And we're seeing it play yeah, out yeah. in culture all around us. This is a wonderful moment where we can talk about what redemption is. Um, part of redemption is the essential, an essential, absolutely. You can't skip part of redemption is you have to say who you are. Right. You have to say who you've been.
3: I you recognize can't pretend my it. stupidity, my you fallenness. Can't,
4: you can't polish it over. No. You can't make it something that it isn't. You have to say, this is who I am and this is what I've done. And that is what she did in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really, really good.
3: It really is good. And, you know, no spoiler alert because, you know, a lot of people know Abby Johnson's story, but my wife saw it. She, she saw it without me. We saw it together last weekend. So at the very end of the movie, they go, you know, Abby Johnson now has eight kids. And, you go, <laughs> and she's pregnant with number nine. Nine. <laughs> no, she's she's got seven. She's pregnant with eight. And you go, holy smokes. She's making up for lost time. Mm. So that, good for her it's and wonderful. all those kids. It's a great. There's a great uh, photograph of her uh, surrounded by her kids and her husband. So just fabulous. Highly recommend it. We really do. It's just really wonderful. Hey, thanks for being with us. We, we've had a, a jam-packed show. We sure have. The podcast is up and running at iTunes or johnandcathyshow.com. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. The Ride Home with
8: John and Kathy. A production of Salem Media Group.